headlines of her morning paper and indulge in chaste meditations about the occupants of these two houses. Of the two, Major Flint was the more attractive to the feminine sense. For years, Miss Mapp had tried to cajole him into marrying her and had not nearly finished yet. With his record of adventure, with the romantic reek of India in the tiger-skin rugs that strewed his hall, with his haughty and gallant manner, with his wound and his prodigious swipes at golf, there was something dashing and risky about him. Captain Puffin, on the other hand, was lame and short and meagre, with strings of peaceful beads and Papuan aprons in his hall instead of wild tiger skins, and had a jerky, inattentive manner and a high-pitched voice. The idea of being Mrs. Puffin was not particularly attractive to Miss Mapp, but she occasionally gave it her remote consideration. There was mystery about both men, in spite of the fact that most of their movements were so amply accounted for. As a rule, they played golf together in the morning, reposed in the afternoon, went out to tea parties afterwards and played bridge till dinner time, or if no such entertainment was proffered them, occupied armchairs at the country club. Though tea parties were profuse, Dining out was very rare at Tilling, but again and again Miss Mapp had seen lights burning in the sitting-room of those two neighbours at a very late hour, and only last week, being plucked from slumber by some unaccountable indigestion, she had seen at no less than twelve-thirty in the morning the lights in Captain Puffin's sitting-room shining through the blind. Craning her neck from her window, she had observed a similar illumination in the house of Major Flint, such late hours, of course, amply accounted for these late breakfasts, but why did they keep such late hours? The explanation provided by the two men was quite improbable. Major Flint often said that he was revising his diaries, and that the only uninterrupted time which he could find in this whirl of life at Tilling was when he was alone in the evening. Captain Puffin, on his part, confessed to a student's curiosity about the ancient history of Tilling, with regard to which he was preparing a monograph. He could talk by the hour about the reclamation from the sea of the marshlands south of the town and about the traces of the old Roman road. But it argued, so thought Miss Mapp, an unprecedented egoism on the part of Major Flint and an equally unprecedented love of antiquities on the part of Captain Puffin that they should prosecute their studies till such hours. No, Miss Mapp knew better than that. It's very baffling, she exclaimed to herself, as she took up her opera glasses to make sure whether it was Isabel Poppet who was stepping with that high, prancing tread into the stationers in the high street. Movement had indeed begun in the high street. Mrs. Plasto, carrying her wicker basket, came round the corner by the church in the direction of Miss Mapp's window. There was a temporary coolness between them with regard to some worsted of brilliant rose-madder hue, which a forgetful draper had sold to Mrs. Plasto, having definitely promised it to Miss Mapp. Mrs. Plasto turned the corner below Miss Mapp's window and went bobbing along down the steep hill. She walked with the motion of a mechanical doll, and her figure had a certain squat rotundity that suited her gait. At the corner beyond Major Flint's house, she turned off down the entry into the side street where Mr. Wise lived. The dentist lived there, too, and as Mr. Wise was away on the continent of Europe, 
Mrs. Plaster was almost certain to be visiting the other. By this time, Isabel Poppet had come out of the stationer's and had advanced as far as the fruit shop. She took the three steps that elevated it from the street in a single prance, with her Roman nose high in the air. Presently Isabel emerged, but Miss Mapp could not see exactly what she had purchased, and she went on to the fish shop. Surely she would not put fish on top of fruit, and even as Miss Mapp's lucid intelligence rejected this supposition, the true solution struck her. Ice, she said to herself. And sure enough, projecting from the top of Miss Poppet's basket when she came out, was an angular peak wrapped up in paper already wet. Miss Poppet came up the street, and Miss Mapp observed that her basket was oozing with red juice and felt certain that she had bought red currants. That, coupled with the ice, made conjecture complete.